This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Kanina May, welcome to Better Reading. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so it's a bit of a pinch me moment that I'm here. Oh, we're very, very pleased to have you. Um, And my, what a career. I'm going to um, introduce you. So, Kanina studied television production at university, graduating with first-class honours in screenwriting. Wow. She went on to work in television, including roles as a script assistant on All Saints, a storyliner on Headland, and a scriptwriter on Home and Away. After becoming a mother, Kanina turned her attention to writing fiction and her short story, Living Rose, was included in the Underdog Anthology, which celebrates Australian young adult literature and was published in March this year. She is also the author of The One, a sparkling, insightful debut novel about three very different women and one smash hit dating show, and the lengths all three women are willing to go to in pursuit of The One. Um, Wow, what a fabulous career in writing. Thank you. And varied. It is varied. I feel like it hasn't been quite long enough, but um, definitely eager to get back into television at some point. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, um, I've got to say, I've never seen Home and Away uh, ever, and I've never seen All Saints, but I know that they are record-breaking in terms of running. You know, they've been on television forever. Yes, yes. It was definitely, I got my foot in the door straight out of university uh, into Channel 7 on a brand new show, which was Headland, and kind of got my dream job, which was a storyliner where you... uh, your job is to come up with story and to plot out the character arcs. And so I was, had great mentors for my first job to really learn great key aspects of storytelling. Okay. All right. So tell me how this career happened. So where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a little town called Old Bar, which is on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, about four hours north of Sydney. Lovely. I, um, Beach town. Yes, it is. We live a block from the beach now, which is a very nice lifestyle to have. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and so there you were um, at a beach location. Uh, probably, did you go to school there? So for the first 13 years, I actually lived on a farm about 10 minutes from the beach. And mm-hmm. then when I was in year seven, we moved to the beach. So at what point did you think that you wanted to be a writer? Well, I actually don't think I knew that I wanted to be a writer. I think that I always loved story from, I think, a toddler. I used to play with Barbies for hours on end and mum would give me cardboard boxes and I would build, you know, towns and houses and would sit there for hours and she'd have to say, it's time for lunch, better come. And then I'd take them outside and they'd go on a holiday and I was always playing stories. Through play. I love that. Through play, Do you know, we've not heard that from the over 200 people that I have interviewed. (laughs) I've not heard that. But, you know, I love Barbie as well and I love Ken and I love 
love the country camper. Yes, well, my my three-year-old has is a Barbie lover and I am very excited about that because my eldest daughter do- doesn't like Barbie. So oh, right. I was very excited to and play again. Do you know I read, and you might have read this same article just the other day, it could have even been last week, I read an article um, in the New York Times on the f- designer who designed Barbie's clothes. She's in her 80s. And they were saying that she couldn't really work in fashion, in the real fashion world, because it was male-dominated. So she designed most of Barbie's outfits over the years. Which are amazing. Which are amazing, (laughs) which I love. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought, you know, I mean, mean, there's a whole podcast around Barbie, but often we dismiss her because she's, you know... um, the, uh, you know, perfect body, perfect whiteness, perfect blonde hair, whatever. But it has been an influence in a lot of people's lives. Yes. Barbie and Ken. Yes, absolutely. And so now they've got the you, Barbie can do anything kind of line where... Have they? Yep, there's yeah. curvy Barbies now. Ah. And dark-skinned Barbies and they've got all different careers. And dark-haired Barbies. Yeah. Ah, there you go. That yep. wasn't around in my time. Um, I love the fact that you were telling stories through play. Yes, yeah. So I think that's how I originally loved stories. I definitely always loved reading. I was yeah. a big um, fan of the Babysitters Club. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I actually wrote to Anne Martin and suggested that she set a super special in Australia, and she did write back to me. Oh, did she? <laughs> and said that's a great idea, <laughs> but I don't know that it ever happened. Yeah, isn't that lovely? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were thinking about editing at that time. <laughs> I must have been and I always I used to always have little notebooks that I'd write stories in and had a diary in high school but I don't actually ever remember thinking I want to grow up and be a writer right you yeah, were just, I just doing I just it. always loved stories and I then did lots of um in, I always loved English and always loved any history things that involved empathy tasks and writing, you know, an account of being back in the day. Or Yes, I were, like those yeah, too. Yeah, I yeah. always enjoyed those, loved any creative writing tasks. Um, and then it was, I kind of got into TV production or we had video production electives in high school right. and I um, loved those. So I think it was, I was interested in story through, well, like on the screen as Do you know, well. I think that that's probably like progressing from playing out Barbie and Ken because you were modelling, you know, you were yeah. doing that, weren't you? Like, yes. you know, a little doll theatre to screenwriting almost makes sense, doesn't it? Because yes, it's I've, about dialogue. Yes, and the dialogue I think is the thing that I find easier and I see everything quite visually. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a different style, isn't it, than the dreamlike state of imagining landscapes and... Yes. It's it's different, Which I it? do find landscapes harder to write than a conversation uh, between people. Oh, wow, well, there you yeah. go. Isn't that interesting? We have never had it this way round. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a first for everything. Okay, so tell me, so then you kind of went... You finished school and went to university? Yeah, so when I was still at school, my parents bought the local video shop, which I think also kind of really supported my storytelling even more. So I was in my late years of high school trying to study, which I was quite, you know, I was quite controlled with wanting to study, but had this whole free shop of movies that I could watch. Um, 
and I decided I wanted to work in television and film. So I ended up going down to CSU in Wagga and studied television production down there. Was that from watching all these great films that you loved? Yeah, or? I think so. And I did love TV too. Like I, I, I've always been a reader, but I've always been a watcher as well. Right. But okay. I often used to sit with notepads on my lap. Yeah. My parents would they would say, why are you bothering? I could often feel better if I was watching a movie but with my books for study on my lap because I would feel like they were soaking into me somehow or I'd be writing things down. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so can I... T- you know, TV was very different back then, wasn't it? Yeah, yes. I mean, TV has evolved so much that it is one of the most popular... Me- I mean, like TV series now through Netflix and Foxtel and everything else... But back then, it was a little different, wasn't it? Well, you had to wait each week to see what the next episode was going to be. You couldn't just play Stream next. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. So talk to me about that. Um, what was your favourite TV show back then? Uh, Did you have as one? A stu- yeah. When your parents had the video uh, show. Well, I watched, <laughs> I watched things like... Um, well, Degrassi High was um, like a favourite as a young, you know, tween into my teenage years. I loved Dawson's Creek. I loved Beverly Hills. Like I'm a light commercial fiction type you know, of I've person. I've never seen any of those. <laughs> and then I think we're different age groups. <laughs> um, yeah, I like these. I like really easy to watch things. Right. I and thought you were going to say things like the Brady Bunch, Lost in Space. That was my kind of TV. Um, well, I did watch. I did watch the Brady Bunch. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to think off the top of your head what your favourites were. Like yeah. I, but I, I think I've always liked the serial element of shows of being able to continue the story on. Yes, like, that what happens next and what yeah. happens next. And were you when you were watching? Did you have a critical element like I might have done it this way, or I think that should have happened, or? Um, as my learning kind of increased, I think I was more critical. I would s- notice how they had structured things, how they were starting to structure stories or even lots of shots, like noticing that they're setting up with a wide shot and then they would go into, like, noticing things that they were putting in screen that were kind of, I would pick up on elements that they might have been hoping that you'd pick up on later and just kind of add, noticing how music was added and how things were edited together. Yeah. That came with the TV production course and even my elect- basic electives at school, which led into that. Yeah. I am um, I'm one of those people, we've talked about this. I talked to Melina Marchetto the other day. Oh, I listened to that. She's <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. Um, but I um, I told her this. I um, When I watch TV or a movie or whatever, I never, ever see anything outside of the story. I don't see long shots. I don't see uh. short shots. I don't... Nothing. I am in that story from the beginning to the end and I don't notice any technique whatsoever. That's great, though. As a viewer, that's what that's what the makers want you to be invested. Yeah. I think it becomes hard when you know the industry and know how techniques are made to not to not um, notice them. But it's hard to stay in the story because you're noticing all the other elements, even costume, how, you know, what they're dressing them in or colours that they're using for symbolism and um, colours that they're bouncing off one another. Yeah, things like that. You, you just start noticing set uh, props that they're using. And so for you, it is just the way you, it is the way you looked at the world from a very young age. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, yeah it's so interesting. Okay, all right. So then you went to university to do this course at uni. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that was in my third year. You all have to do a work placement. Yeah. And um, 
when I was at uni, I did all the creative writing electives. I always enjoyed the writing part of um, part of it, but I still didn't realise what exactly I wanted to do within the TV world. Yeah. And I did a placement in the script department of Home and Away. Wow, that's extraordinary because, you know, that is almost a dream come true, isn't it? Well, it was a very lucky circumstance where a friend of mine's brother worked there. So I was lucky to get the placement to begin with. But I sat in that room on that first day and I knew this is where I want to be. We were talking, well, I wasn't really talking, I was just listening. But I was was pleased you were doing that on your first day. (laughs) I was just sitting there, I think, with my eyes wide open and my jaw on the table going, How did I get here? Yeah, and it's one of those things where... Um, so I had been watching the show and when you're plotting, you're plotting six months ahead of what's on screen. So I was suddenly going, oh, my goodness, look what they're doing to these characters. Oh, and right, yeah. yeah, the the boards around are like character plot points and story arcs and figuring out what goes in what episode and how what cliffhangers and what needs to happen on commercial breaks because you need more drama on commercial breaks so people will stay watching because back then you couldn't fast forward TV and you or, couldn't stream it. No, no. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a great way so of learning story. Ads. Oh, always. Even now they would still do it. Oh, would they really? Yeah. 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 Because I, not everyone... Is streaming. Is streaming, yeah. Right, okay. So, okay, so tell me what happened after that. Yeah, so I fell in love with the story room and I knew that's where I wanted to be. I was... It was just such an exciting place to be in this magical world where you talked fictional characters all day but it was like they were real like everyone wholeheartedly talked about these people all these characters like they were people which I thought was so fun um so I ended up deciding to stay on and do an honours year in screenwriting right um I just felt like I needed to know a bit more about that kind of world which was really great like I did a lot of reading craft books about developing a story and then I had to analyse different um, shows and so one of the shows was McLeod's Daughters and seeing the first season of the show and I did uh, two others as well but McLeod's Daughters being an Australian one um, and see how they set up the story within the the first season. So I think there's about so, 22 episodes and yeah, breaking so it down. Yeah, so she... Um who wrote those books? I've had her in. She's a lovely lady. Who wrote McLeod's Daughters? She's gone on to write more fiction. Um, She's the creator. Is it Pansy? Um, yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that started off as a screenplay before it became a book. Is that right? Or she went well, on to write other books? So is it a book? I didn't know it was a book. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe I've got that mixed up. She went on to write anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, tell me about that. Working on the cloud store. No, no, so I didn't work on it. So what I did in my honours year was um, part of my process of learning story was looking at three different TV shows in their first season. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, and analyzing okay, how they it. constructed the stories, like yeah. how they introduced um, their characters, how they set up story arcs for whether it's going to be for a couple of weeks or for the whole season in whole because sometimes they have a story that's only going to run a couple of weeks but they also would know like the big story arc of the whole season yes so what they're going to end on in often they might know where they're working towards so I kind of broke down um the storytelling elements really so that was a great foundation and then as a part of my project I also had to create uh like a pilot episode for a TV show. So, and my pilot was about um, people living at university yeah. in a dorm. Um, and then I read in TV Week, I was at least, it was the second half of my honours year and I read in TV Week that Channel 7 were creating a new show, um, I think at that stage it was called Campus and it was about students living on campus. Oh, wow. And... It was the tiniest little blurb, like it was the tiniest thing, but I was like, oh, I want to work on that show. And so I sent off two letters, uh, one to the head of Channel 7 and one to head of drama, and I was lucky enough that the head of drama called me and and wanted to meet me. Wow. And, um, yeah, I met with him over coffee and he gave me a job on the spot, so I got to go back to uni, finish finish it out and then I started um, as a storyliner on Headland, yeah. which got changed. See, that's yeah. not lucky because <laughs> – it's not lucky because it, a lot of people would have read that piece but no one did anything about it. Yeah, well, I wrote and said, I, I'm willing to do anything. I'll get uh, – you know, I'll photocopy, I'll get coffee. I just, yeah. I'll is, make the muffins. Yeah, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And, um, yeah, so Bevan Lee, is, he gets a shout at him shout out in my acknowledgements because he gave me that big break into television and I'll forever be grateful for that. And what was it you were doing? Were you making coffees or were you doing something? No, I got to, that's when I got to be the storyliner. So there was four wow. of us as storyliners and we were all fairly young and um, so they wanted young stories to be involved. And uh, So what's a storyliner? So a storyliner is your job is to come up with story ideas. So the cast was already, they knew who their core characters were, their main yeah. cast, and there's a story producer that, you know, carries the whole show. They guide guide everyone else within the team, the story team, but as a storyliner you're kind of um, helping come up with story ideas. You're also writing scene breakdowns, so you're having to, when you sit at a story table and you get... Plot out, plot out the points. Then I was um, would have to go home and flesh them out. You'd write, so we'd each have a turn. We'd rotate, yeah. and um, then you had we had to keep documents um, on like the logistical side of things. So in this episode, this happened for each character, so that you could track what happens to characters. So if you've gotten twenty two eps down and you think, oh, hang on, what happened back in episode three? And you can go back to that document and yeah. have a quick scan. There's also yeah. um, 
yeah, you also have to think about the logistics of location filming and set filming because you only have limited budgets, sets yeah. and budget. So that all comes into play in the story room too because you can only do... It's different on an hour drama, but this is especially played in when, on Home and Away where you right. had to really be careful about where scenes were and what sets you were going to have within that week. Right, what so, was available and I yeah. guess what actors were available. Well, all, yeah, all the, all the actors are contracted and you, right. like the solid cast and yeah. then um, guests yeah. and dailies who just do one episode a week are um, hired just right. for that particular. So what an incredible education for you to have gotten that Yeah, job, I it? feel really it's grateful. Formative, isn't it? Yeah, and it was so much fun. I, I loved it. Yeah, and so your career in television spanned over how long? Oh, it was in my 20s. So I had my son when I was 29, so it kind of ended there. I did a few more freelance scripts. Right. Um, but we lived regionally and I found that that kind of really hindered it. Yeah. But yeah. I've been able, I've done a few. Um, I won a, a Screenworks New South Wales like incentive where I went to play Maker Media twice last year to sit in on story rooms there on a new show that they're developing. So that was great again. Right. Just to try, now that my kids are kind of getting to that next age, I yeah, feel like got, I can try and get back in. Yeah, yeah. Do, do some more work. Okay, so then um, to go from an environment like that, because I, I gather, you know, there's so many writers within mm. um, writing for television, you know. I mean, there's four or five people at least in a room writing. Is yes. that right? Yes. And then to go from that to writing a novel, which is very, very solitary. Yeah. So talk to me about how the idea came to write the book and, and why and... The difference. Okay, so I think I had always been dabbling in different stories. I'd always been writing on the side when I was even working on the shows, and I had always dreamed of. uh, Once I realised that I wanted to work with in TV and in script writing, I think it was soon after that I had started thinking how amazing it would be to write a book, and I was heavily interested in YA so I and I think that comes a lot with working on Home and Away a lot of the young adult storylines yeah. I was interested in so did a few courses went to the festivals and um, started working on that my husband and I went overseas for a year and I started writing a YA manuscript when I was travelling from on the plane I remember getting the idea from going to Ireland when we were right. so it was only a quick trip but I started writing down these ideas and um, so the one is actually my third manuscript that I've written um, over the last 10 years but the other two are just on my computer right yeah okay. bottom drawer kind yeah. of practice yeah. it's called practice isn't it Absolutely. yeah you know. yeah so it was getting to the one well getting to just writing I think has becoming part of my life um, in terms of having kids, it's a, a wise woman said to me, I think my son was about seven months and when they start having the two sleeps a day and she said, okay, so that one sleep, you do stuff around the house, you, you know, whether you want to prep for dinner or you need to vacuum or you need to do whatever cleaning, do that. But that other sleep, you use that for that's you. That's yours. Yeah, you, that's your time. She wasn't suggesting that I start writing a book. No. But she was saying, oh, go put your feet up, up feet up, have a cuppa, watch a TV show or yeah. do yoga, whatever. Yeah. But it was important to have time for myself and that's when I started writing. It's good advice, isn't it? Oh, I think it's great advice and I think it's critical advice for me in that the fact that I actually have written a book because it's that time that I started dedicating. It became routine. So 
And I became quite, um, you know, precious about that time. That that was so. Then when they dropped the dropped <laughs> to one sleep, I forgot about the housework, and yes. I just that's my time to write. Um, Wise and, decision. Yeah. <laughs> and um, of course, my kids all gave up their day sleeps around two. So then it would be when they would watch a TV show or or, or a movie, yeah. and I would sit down. So most of my stuff has been written in the lounge room like with Ninja Turtles or Peppa Pig or Barbie playing So not a quiet room, you know? No. no. In the country, a shack yeah. overlooking <laughs> the dam. No, nothing like that. No, often a child on my lap <laughs> and like riding around their head and um, being snuggled at the same time. But I, it became something I needed to do as a release for me. And I think that... Um, it was a great outlet within terms of motherhood because it can be quite draining yeah. doing the relentless yeah. jobs. Um, that the writing offered me an escape, yeah. something for me. So, um, and it's being able to work and to use. Your, I mean, I'm not saying that I could do it because uh, it's still it's challenging. You're in a home environment. You've got children around you. You've got noise, but it is a way I think to find something for you. And you know, because that's for a lot of people, that's what work gives us. Yes. And so you're able to do that um, without really having to go out and to organise childcare and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I if you can pull it off, because yeah, it's still it very off. hard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It and I think in terms of the one being written. I actually can't believe that I did it because I had to go back and have a look at when I first created the document and my youngest was about five months old and my eldest was five. So, yeah. uh, and I had one in between. And I think, I, I don't know how I did that, but I know I was dealing with the toddler tantrums and drop and then uh, like dropping to kindy and picking up from kindy and all the school notes and the lunch boxes and, yeah. and then a baby that, liked to be held a lot yeah. <laughs> so anyway I made it work and yeah. so congratulations <laughs> thank you did you find that you know talk to me about the difference between writing a script and writing I mean and I know it's a very long mm. conversation but just uh, tell me briefly what you think that process is so when you're writing a script in television um, often there's a freelance writer that is um, contracted to writing that particular episode. So within Home and Away, there are five writers per week, one for each night. So the story producer has come up with with an, with other story team members that work in-house. Um, they come up with the story for the week and they've kind of plotted out the basic skeleton for what's going to happen in that episode because they need to keep track of all the logistical things that I mentioned earlier and... Um, and, and story arcs and character arcs yeah. and all those kinds of elements. Then the the freelance writer comes in and often in-house people do are contracted for episodes as well and that's how I started doing it. Um, but you are given, when you go in, you are given a scene breakdown or you're given plot points so you know basically, you basically yeah. know what your stories are yeah. as you're going in and you know what's going to happen. So you sit around the table and then you discuss it in length and you... Um, kind of flesh out the scenes with the, like the, so the script writer can have contribution and can also bounce off ideas and and kind of gauge what the story producer wants because you're wanting to write to please what they want, how it's going to fit in with the rest of the week because they also have to write within the tone of Home and Away in some yeah, way so it all fits in so yeah. it sounds like the same person. Um so it's a quite a collaborative effort. It is. And 
yeah, being in-house, that was great because I could, you know, help with the story ideas. But as a freelancer, you kind of a given what you need to stay within the realms of. Yeah. And then moving to um, fiction writing, well, it was exciting that I could set scenes wherever I wanted and I didn't have to think about, oh, hang on, what set do we have? And yeah, yeah. how much is that going to cost? We can only go outside, you know, so many episodes per, of so many scenes per episode and um, all those things. So that was quite fun. And I think I liked the freedom of I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, but then it is hard because you don't have that bouncing off of, oh, what, what if this yeah. happened? Or And then, because that's basically what you do in the story room. Someone suggests an idea and then someone, another person bounces an idea off that and then you combine and you, yeah. sometimes an idea that's putting it, thrown in as a joke ends up being the one that you think, actually, yeah, that, that we can make that work. And yeah. yeah, so it's like being able to work in a story room with people is fantastic. So I imagine though with a novel, you are writing dialogue, but it's very different to script writing because you've got to set it, you know, I mean, yeah. you, the entire writing has to be visual. You're not relying on props and sets and everything else. Yeah. You? Yeah. So I think it is an adjustment to get used to. Yeah. Um, but I have had some feedback that it is a little bit more, yeah, it's a dialogue driven. Dialogue driven, or that it's not necessarily, um, yeah, that that they can. I think Rachel from Harlequin had said that um, she could kind of see, she could see it on screen because yeah. of the, the style in which I've written. And would you like to see it on screen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And do you think that's going to happen? Oh, I'll have everything crossed. Yeah, <laughs> because then you're doing the reverse. You're throwing yeah. the book out there and then pulling it out yeah, into a screen. Yeah, that'd screen be a play. dream come true type yeah. situation. Oh, I'm sure it's going to happen for you. Oh. You, you. You seem to me like a person that um, can make things happen. Uh, thank you so much for coming in to speak with us today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.